Hello and welcome to the Thoughtful Language Learner podcast. My name is Makoto, and I'm the author of the book The Thoughtful Language Learner. Are you a struggling language learner? Do you feel like you lack the confidence and skills to learn a foreign language? I believe that cultivating self-awareness and understanding who you are as a learner is the key to success. And through this podcast, I'm bringing you the contents of my book. Each episode will cover a new chapter, sort of like an audiobook. And what's cool is I'm bringing you each chapter through some text-to-speech technology. I hope you like it. Chapter 4, Face Value or Reading Between the Lines Learning a language is a lot like learning how to bake, or so I hear, according to my wife. The ingredients or building blocks are relatively simple. You can get fancy once your abilities are more advanced, but in the beginning, a simple dish just takes a few ingredients. In this early stage, you depend on recipes to tell you how much of each ingredient you will need. For example, the recipe will tell you exactly how much flour, sugar and butter you need. You start to learn a few recipes and become proficient in making basic cakes, cookies and muffins. You feel pretty good about your proficiency but feel constrained because you don't know how to go beyond the confines of those recipes. You know how to make chocolate chip cookies, but if you were asked to make oatmeal raisin cookies without a recipe, you're not sure if you would succeed. But slowly you start experimenting and try going beyond recipes. You might make some mistakes, but you also have some successes. Eventually, you realize that all recipes follow a few common ratios. Michael Ruhlman explains this concept in his book Ratio, The Simple Codes Behind the Craft of Everyday Cooking. For example, cookies follow a ratio of 3 to 2 to 1, 3 parts flour to 2 parts fat to 1 part sugar. Muffins follow a ratio of 2 to 1 to 2 to 1, 2 parts flour to 1 part fat to 2 parts liquid to 1 part egg. Many recipes beyond baking also follow these types of ratios. For example, vinaigrettes are 3 to 1, 3 parts oil to 1 part vinegar. The journey to fluency often involves this type of realization. In the beginning, all you know is how to follow a specific recipe or script. Anything outside of these scripts may make you feel lost. But over time you begin to see the common rules that form the basis of many language patterns. You eventually move past recipe books and start experimenting. You take the basic ingredients, use the ratios, and create something unique. The problem for some people is that they find it difficult to move past this stage. Some learners rely too much on the recipes and rules and have a hard time experimenting. Other learners are more intuitive and quickly recognize that patterns exist, but may need more practice to build a solid foundation. In this chapter, we will look at two types of learners that can account for these differences. Understanding your assessment. The second preference we want to explore is the sensing versus intuitive style of learning. According to one of the creators of the ILS, the sensing intuitive dimension is taken directly from the MBTI, again, if you are familiar with the MBTI, you will be familiar with these personality differences. Specifically, this dimension deals with how we prefer to receive information and the type of information we like to receive. 
For language learners, one book describes the difference this way, sensing and intuition have to do with how you take in information and whether you focus more on the present or the future. If you prefer sensing, you probably like factual information more than speculation and more interested in the present than the future. You would rather focus on what is than on what might be. On the other hand, if you prefer intuition, you are likely more interested in what the facts mean than in the facts themselves and are future-oriented, interested in possibilities. If you are a sensing type, you like to receive concrete information and reliable facts. You pay attention to the details and prefer things that are more logical. You place an emphasis on your five senses to give you accurate information about the world. If you are an intuitive type, you prefer thinking about concepts and theories to individual details. You prefer to follow your imagination and see how things are interconnected. You often follow your gut or your sixth sense to determine what is true of the world. What the research shows. When we look at research related to this personality difference, we see that sensing learners and intuitive learners approach language learning differently. For example, one study looked at language learners at a full-time intensive training school. The researchers found sensing students showed the strongest appreciation of memory strategies, it was only sensing students who said that they actually liked to memorize. Their memory strategies were concrete and often multisensory, including imagery, ralia, drawing schematics, but with little mention of purely mental imagery, physical response strategies, mechanical tricks, color coding, flashcards, structured reviewing, and just plain rote memorization. Similarly, the researchers found intuitives conceptualized, desired complexity and searched for the big picture. Most of the intuitives said they relied heavily on guessing from context, did not need complete comprehension, and were comfortable with linguistic risks and experimentation. Applying your learning style. In the baking example above, there are potentially two types of bakers, sensing types and intuitive types. Those who are sensing types might find it difficult to go beyond the limits of a recipe book. There is nothing wrong with baking the same recipes over and over again. But if you want to grow and develop as a baker, there comes a time where you need to be open to experimentation. A sensing type might feel anxious about this, but at some point needs to trust their own understanding of baking principles. An intuitive type might have the opposite problem of feeling constrained by recipes. They might be too eager to experiment and may never master the fundamental principles of baking. If you are a sensing learner, you need to be aware of your tendencies. You thrive on facts and details. And you prefer to receive it in a logical order. But you might need help from a teacher or tutor to help you see the connections or relationships of different ideas. It will feel challenging, but have your teacher make you guess the meaning of new words or the structure of new grammar rules. Have them show you how a new topic you are studying is related to what you already know. It is important not to know only individual facts and rules but to also know how these facts and rules are interconnected. As you make the effort to see the bigger picture, you will slowly develop greater intuition and broader knowledge of the language. A sensing learner might at times hesitate to move out of their comfort zone. Language learning should involve experimenting and making mistakes. As a sensing learner myself, my teacher would often catch me being overly dependent on the same vocabulary or grammar patterns. 
Even though I was learning new grammar patterns, I was afraid of using them in conversation. I found it helpful when my teacher gave me lots of example phrases and sentences of these new grammar patterns. But it was also helpful when my teacher pushed me to try new things before I fully mastered them. If you are an intuitive learner, you need to be aware of your tendencies. You are comfortable with abstract ideas or theories, but you may struggle to give concrete examples. It is important not to only understand a concept but also see how it is applied. For example, you might feel you have a good grasp of verb conjugation in your language but when you go to conjugate verbs, you make many mistakes. Doing practice and drills may feel tedious or unnecessary to you, but it is the only way to ensure that you really understand the material. An intuitive learner will have no problem with experimenting with the language. But there needs to be a balance between experimentation and achieving mastery of the things you have already learned. I have met some language learners who end up mixing advanced grammar structures with basic grammar structures when they speak. It is no use trying to use advanced grammar structures if this type of mix-up causes confusion to the listener. So, it may be good to periodically review and practice the things you already learned to make sure that your understanding is complete. One final area in which this learning style may make a difference is in understanding intercultural communication. Anthropologists make a distinction between cultures that are low-context and cultures that are high-context. In a low-context culture, such as the United States or the United Kingdom, good communication is precise, simple, and clear. Messages are expressed and understood at face value. Repetition is appreciated if it helps clarify the communication. But in a high-context culture, such as China or Japan, good communication is sophisticated, nuanced, and layered. Messages are both spoken and read between the lines. Messages are often implied but not plainly expressed. Language learning involves not only understanding the meaning of words and sentences but also knowing how to use them in culturally appropriate ways. For example, even if you know the words for I'm sorry or no thank you, the way people apologize or decline an invitation in one culture might be different from how it is done in another culture. If you are a sensing learner who comes from a low-context culture, learning communication in a high-context culture might be especially difficult. For an intuitive learner, it might come easier to read between the lines and understand the more indirect ways of communication. Understanding your learning styles involves making the most of your strengths. But it also involves recognizing your weaknesses. Whether you are a sensing learner or intuitive learner, there will be aspects of language learning that will be challenging. Not every part of the language will come naturally to you. As you cultivate self-awareness, you can identify these areas and dedicate additional practice to them. I hope you enjoyed this chapter of my book. If you found it helpful, send me a message, let me know. Also, I have a free PDF that introduces some of the assessment tools mentioned in my book. If you're interested, just go to rebrand.ly forward slash free PDF. Thanks for listening.